so much great Advertising Week content, so little time. Snackable AI is now helping you navigate podcasts like this one, event sessions, and other content with chapters, topic tags, and more. Find the insights that matter to you faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai. American Express have had a long legacy in music culture. With their multi-year music backers program, they expressed the powerful backing of their brand ethos to support the music industry at a time they needed it most. Now, in a post-COVID world, they have reimagined their voice for a changing cultural landscape. In this episode from Advertising Week APAC 2022, we look at how the brand has grown their cultural capital through meaningful partnerships with artists and unpack their recent collaborations. Thanks everyone here for coming down this afternoon and joining us on stage. My name's James Griffiths. Um, please call me Griff if you meet me afterwards. Um, I'm Executive Creative Director for Bring, Universal Music for Brands. Um, and today we're here to discuss the topic of um, evolving your voice in music. We believe that in order to create meaningful connections with fans, both artists and brands, need to think differently about the ways in which they connect with them. They need to have a voice, an ownable voice, a reason for being. And here we're today joined by two cultural creators, um, a good friend of mine, uh, Nisla Edwards, VP of Brand and Experiences at American Express, and uh, John Hart, who is part of the ARIA award-winning band Boy and Bear. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. It's great to be back together again as well. Um, yeah, it's we'll, we'll dig in later, but we've, we've recently worked together on an incredible campaign alongside Amex, and we'll, we'll dig into that and its reason for being throughout the, throughout the talk. Um, so I think I'm going to throw over to you first, John. Um, in terms of what it means to have a voice in music for you as, a, as an artist and as an individual, um, in particular, let's flash back 11 years or so to when Boy and Bear were in its fruition. Um, what type of band did you want to set out to be? And, and what were the ways in which that you thought about owning and creating your own unique voice? Yeah, Nice and I were just talking about it before we walked on stage. I think one of the things for us that I think was kind of unique is that we weren't friends who already knew each other and were playing music in a garage together and just sort of became a band. We were people who liked music and three of the guys went to uni together and they were studying music together, but they were acquainted rather than friends. And so I think when we, when we formed the band, everyone wanted to sort of for want of a better term, succeed, like make stuff we really liked. And so everyone who became involved, the five of us, brought something to that process. Like so the other people had gone, we should get that person, and sort of we, we came together piece by piece. And so I think that that meant that all five members had quite a strong creative opinion, and the way in which we started off was to go, well, we want to make the music that we want to make. And so we would bond over music we liked or music we didn't like and sort of figure it out from there. But I think it was, it was sort of, it was quite insular, I guess, is a way I would describe it. We weren't thinking too much about what it would do. Um, 
in terms of when I say we wanted to make stuff and we wanted to succeed, I think we wanted to listen back to what we'd recorded and feel like that sounds good and that's how we wanted it to sound. And if we put on a live show, we wanted it to feel like that was a really good representation of what we did as opposed to, I think it's easy in music to sort of go, oh, let's try and chase a, a, a trend because um, things are always coming and going. I think I do remember us, we, we would often talk about artists who we respected and it wasn't so much about the music they made, but about the trajectory of their career. So that, that was a, we did, we had those conversations right at the start of the band. And I guess as you evolve as, as artists and evolve your artistry, how do you find ways to reinvent yourselves? How do you find ways to evolve what you stand for, both, both musically and, and I guess to your fans? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that recently because we're, we're in the middle of, um, writing some songs and we're in the studio next week to finish, I think it's our fifth album, but that could be wrong. We've, you know, we said it was 10, 12 years ago, so you start <laughs> to lose count a little. But um, I think for us, the evolution, it's, it's very different when you're sitting on the inside of a project to on the outside. So I notice sometimes that something that sounds quite subtly different to me might sound largely different to somebody who's not involved because the process felt quite similar to me. So. I almost view it through the lens of the process of how it worked when we were creating it. And then sometimes things that sound drastically different to me, someone else just goes, no, no, that makes sense for you guys. So I, it's, it's sort of hard to, it's almost, that's hard for me to answer. What, what, I, what I can say is um, what, what I'm always looking for, and I think what we're always looking for is to, rather than say looking at songs we made in 2009 or 10 or 11 that might have been successful and thinking, what did we do to, you know, let's do something like that. Thinking, what was the feeling that we had when we were making those songs? So if I want anything, I want as much as I'd love to be, what was I, 28? I'd love to be 28 again. But if I can have that feeling I had when I was doing it of that naivety and that, that sense that there wasn't anything to prove because no one had cared about what we'd done beforehand. So you were just aiming to do the best version of whatever it was and then it happened that that went well, so we've continued to follow that process. And I think that's led to natural evolution as opposed to um, evolution in terms of deliberately trying to change. Would you say you're creating your sound for yourselves or, or for your fans? I think, if it, you know, I feel like sometimes there's a right and wrong answer, but the answer for me here is that we're making it primarily for ourselves because I think that's always been the thing. We'll make music we like and hopefully there'll be people who like it too. It's definitely important um, when establishing your voice to, to be authentic to, to you and, and especially we'll, we'll have a more of a brand angle on this now, Neisler. Um, I think if we all kind of flash back to 2014 here in Sydney, I think we were all probably affected in some way by the lockout laws which came into play. Um, when you actually look back, I think it was some staggering stats at 176 music venues or businesses related to music were actually closed here in Sydney. And the ripple effect of that was really took years to come to fruition. So flash forward to 2018 um, and when you approached us um, to help launch your new brand positioning in market, Neisler, um, we really wanted to make sure that we were doing something very meaningful to support the music culture here in Sydney. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about that very special night um, that went down at Selena's in, in Coogee. Yeah. So thank you and hello everyone. It's really great to be here. 
thanks for joining in the last uh, kind of few uh, uh, sessions today. So thank you. So yes, uh, Grief, back in 2018, we relaunched our brand. Um, we made a decision as a company that we needed to really look at our brand from the lens of what was happening with people. And really what's been happening is not new, is that um, our work and personal lives are really blending, right? Like the work and the play is that is a blur line between, between the two. So we needed to evolve and really um, ensure that our brand and our company supported people in the way that they were living today. So that brought us to what is our brand today, which is uh, the powerful backing of American Express and our taglines, don't live life without it, don't do business without it. But behind that is the principle that we build our brand on a long lasting relationship. That's been, we are, we are a 168 years old company and we know that what, what has made us successful is always ensuring that we are building relationships for life. And, and that was the principle behind it. So what we needed to do is how we're gonna relaunch this brand is, is all about powerful backing, how we're gonna demonstrate that we're backing all our customers. And we have different segments of customers. We have consumers, we have businesses, we have merchant partners, we have our, our own colleagues, and we have communities that we work and partner with. So we all went into a room before we actually contacted um, Universal and Bring, and we're like, what is the one thing that doesn't matter what you do, everybody rallies behind it, everybody loves. And okay, this is not gonna sound as a surprise, it is music. Everybody loves music. In fact, this is a stat before COVID, but Australians attend more music gigs than live sports. So we know that we all, no matter our differences, get united by music. So we thought, let's get behind music, let's get behind the, the music industry. We started to do a lot of research and we realized that it's, it's a difficult industry to make it true. It's starting, it's hard. So why don't we get behind all these upcoming Australian talent that needs our support and let's back them. So that's how the idea was born. Then we partnered with Universal and Bring and our agencies and we decided let's do a big moment that people will remember and that will establish our backing uh, of, of the industry. And that's how we came up with a phenomenal concept called the Music Backers Program, which obviously was using that backing and, and powerful backing. And we launched uh, our um, million dollars grant fund to back the, the musicians in the industry. And not just the musicians, the full industry. Uh, so in order to launch it, we created this spectacular event that you can see on the screen, which was an um, iconic show with the killers. We brought them to Australia, and it was a big band to kind of represent the needs of all the, the, the industry. And we got into Selena's in Kuji Bay. And Selena's actually was the first grant recipient of the Music uh, Packers grant. They needed a little bit of uh, refurbishment, right? That venue has been there for a while. And as Grief said, venues have all, ha had also been quite impacted. So we got into Selena's, we had the killers. I still get goosebumps thinking about it. It was absolutely spectacular, but it was amazing to get even the band themselves talking about how great was this to really get behind the industry. So that cemented our 
commitment to supporting the Australian music, even though we have been doing a number of things in supporting, uh, for many years, in supporting the music industry. But this really cemented it with that commitment of that million dollars grant. I think, um, I think Brandon and the, the band are here, actually. They were just here last weekend, and, and it took me back to that very, very special moment. Um, nothing quite beats seeing an artist that you admire up close and personal and in such an intimate way. And it, it truly was a really memorable night. Beyond just that, that singular night, though, it was really important that the brand had a role within music and, and was seen to be helping the industry through its powerful backing um, statement. And I, I sort of flash back to some of the early stages where we were developing something uh, that was going to be more long-term and meaningful and a more long-term voice for the brand. Just a huge collaboration between agencies to make sure that it connected with fans, to make sure that through the business and American Express that ultimately it worked for you as a business and, and ultimately showed what you stood for but, but worked off the back of it. Um, I don't think any of us had set up a grant though, had we? we? I think any of us had actually done that. So we originally started to look for powerful individuals within the music industry that we could bring together to become mentors, to become a, a, a tribe of individuals that could help make sure that some of those funds went to the people that, that needed them most. Um, and especially in that, that first year, I remember sitting down, even with, you, with yourself, Neisler, and, and some of the Amex team, and, and some of the, the individuals within the music industry. And I think we had about 270 artists and businesses apply for financial aid, which just goes to show, that was just in the first quarter. Um, and that just goes to show the, the state of play that we were in, really, um, both as an industry and, and also, at the time, artists. And when you take 178 stages away from them in Sydney to, to play and connect with fans, it, it, it truly can have a lasting effect on them. Um, we've got a short video, um, which we'll play now, to, to showcase exactly um, what Music Backers was all about. Find a new band. To make an empowering space. <laughs> to go to every gig. To get my music out there. To get a new sound system. To promote equality. To push my business forward. To lay down my next EP. To cover new ground. To nail the perfect tape. To tell our story in new To way. keep the city open. To visualize my music. To represent my Bring band. To start a conversation. So a great way of showing the powerful backing of the brand noises. Tell us just a little bit more around how this evolved over those two years and, and how it came to life in various ways. Yeah, and you know, I will answer the question, I promise, but you said something really important is that um, we partner with the industry and the experts and heads of the industry across labels, venues, um, even musicians themselves, because we needed to make sure these grants were given in the right way. So I, I think that's a really important thing you mentioned, so thank you for that. Uh, so how it evolved is where we end up running the program for two years, so we ended up putting a $2 million grant uh, in total. But what we realized is going back to building that trust and continue to show that backing is we needed to look at the entire American Express Experiences proposition and make sure that music was part of everything we were doing. It just couldn't be one event at Selena's or it couldn't just be the 270 grants that we gave away. So we have a lot of different properties that are pretty amazing. Uh, I'm going to mention a few, but Shop Small, which is back in small businesses, uh, American Express Delicious Month Out, Vivid Sydney, Vogue Fashions Night Out, 
to, to name a few. So what we decided to do is we're not only going to support um, the industry through the grant, we're going to start to support everyone also in making sure that we showcase all these incredible artists to all the properties that we have. And uh, so to give you an example, uh, last year we became the principal partner of the Quid exhibition at the National Gallery of Victoria, which is at the moment in exhibition. You should go and see it. And uh, to open, we did, uh, the NGV did a gala uh, to open the exhibition and we partnered with one of the grant recipients, uh, which is Cap Sport. And we partnered with Vogue and we decided to create a beautiful garment in order to showcase at the, at the exhibition. But the point here is, is we open another platform for Cap Sport and we have done that for many artists. So for those who attended Vivid, uh, we had a beautiful lounge on top of Cruise Bar here in Sydney. And through multiple nights, through the four weeks that Vivid ran, we have a number of artists performing, um, including Bangara Dance Theater that did a beautiful performance. So we have genuinely uh, stay engaged in how we support the industry. And when the other piece that we did is we, we had the grant, but we still put an investment aside to make sure that we also supported those that are not the face, like, you know, the producers, the, the songwriters. Uh, so we absolutely make sure that even the fans, right, that's just really important. So that's some of the ways we have evolved, but certainly the most important one has been making sure that music is part of everything we do. I think in addition to that, what I mentioned before is uh, music wasn't new for American Express. We have had an entertainment program for a while where we run pre-sales. Uh, we have a number of entertainment launches across venues in Australia uh, to amplify and enhance that experience when our, when our customers go to a music concert uh, or, or, or else. So absolutely, it's through our DNA, and I think that is incredibly important that you are genuine genuinely committed to what you're doing and what you're backing. It's a testament to the brand that it, it, it can have such a meaningful role at a product level as well as from a, a brand level and an experience level. And, and um, I've been privy to some of those um, partnerships that you've had that are long-term with artists where, yes, you may have given them a grant and, and helped them, but you're offering them other opportunities to reach new ears as well, and it definitely should be commended. Um, some of the passion projects I know that, that, that Music Back has funded were anything from writing camps to music videos to live performances and tours. They're a vast array. I, I guess from your perspective, John, as, as an artist, how, how important is it, especially in those early days when you're establishing your, your voice as an artist, to, to have financial aid like that to, to help you? Yeah, <laughs> like the music's expensive to make, I guess, unless you're like someone like Flume, for example, who seemed to really figure that one out and do it in the bedroom and then become massive. But if you're not doing that, if you're kind of recording in studios, you're recording with producers and engineers and people who need to get paid to do their job, it costs a lot of money to do. And then you also want to have connections. If you're going to make good music, it's not enough to just have the music. It has to actually get to people who want to hear it and who maybe are tastemakers in the industry. And so I, I think... Maybe when I think back over, again, I don't like saying how long it's been, but over the years of the band, um, <laughs> we've made some good and bad decisions at times, like most businesses do. Um, but the times where we've really gone against our instincts has been when we've done it because we needed, we were in a financial spot and we had to go, oh, this doesn't seem like a really good deal, but 
it's the best deal we've got right now, so we'll do it. So, um, and that there've inevitably been things where I, I regret those. So I think having that financial backing puts you in a position where you don't have to make those compromises. And also, as an artist, you sort of, in some ways, you sit at the centre. Your business is at the centre with a lot of people around you, or at least maybe we just think we're the sun and everything rotates around us. But <laughs> like, you, you, ha you, if you're lucky, you probably have. You have a manager, you have an agent, you might have a record label, you might have a publishing company, like a publisher, and then there may be people who are connected into that as well. And you have to negotiate all those deals. And so, again, coming back to it, if you need, if you need the money, then you're the person who's the weak person in the negotiating spot. So I think it really does help when you um, can come to it with what you're offering is what you bring in the product that you've made, hopefully, which is hopefully really good and what they're offering is what they can do with it and it can be a meeting of the minds rather than taking the money because you really need to. It's fascinating. Um, the, I think if we sort of look at the last couple of years um, when we were working to, together, Noisler, I think Music Backers was great at servicing the industry and speaking to the industry um, and building that credibility um, for both artists and, and businesses and opening the doors to, to small businesses um, through the initiative. But when um, Emma and the team approached us to try and evolve that to become more of a consumer-facing platform, something that involved fans in a much more meaningful way, the need for music backers had kind of changed. The landscape had changed. We, we, we really were coming out of COVID. Um, part of that, that brief was to, to try and create something that celebrated night culture on, on a large scale and allowed American Express cardholders and the wider community to be part of that. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about um, how we evolved from music backers and ultimately landed on, on Back in the Night and the incredible day that went down last May. Yeah, that was another incredible moment. Uh, and here is Emma. There's uh, definitely a lot of people involved in this. So I'm just representing a large team. But um, look, the pandemic. I, I know everybody's like, let's not talk about COVID and the pandemic, but you, you do have to talk about it because it definitely changed a lot of things for everyone, including ourselves. And through the pandemic, when we were in lockdown, we continued to try to give a platform, not just to the music industry, but to the dining industry, to the retail industry, right? Everyone was suffering. So we did a lot of on-stage virtual concerts, right? Like you just try to keep it going. But the reality is we knew that it was going to be over and thanks God is over and we were all out. It was the recovery. That was immediately what came into, into our offices is how we're going to support the recovery of our cities. Artists that have been in their houses, they haven't been able to perform, they haven't been able to record and so many things that go on hold, right? how we're going to help the industry. So we had a lot of meetings, including government, around what role American Express could play to really help revitalize our economy. And the message we got clear and loud is, please rally behind the cities, particularly the CBD. They're empty. We need to bring people back. And this is when the team, again, we go back to our rooms with all our teams, and that includes agency partners, bring everyone. And we go, OK, well, how are we going to revitalize this economy? What are we going to do? What's our role? And the team said, well, I think we need to evolve the Music Backers program. We now really 
just go back to less back the night. And the, you, you mentioned the lockdown, uh, the lockout laws uh, that obviously are, are, are no more. But again, it's the effect of that. People are not used to going out at night in Sydney, right? People just forgot about that live night. So um, the, the concept was born of back the night, which is our first, um, I still call it mini festival, but it was quite massive. It was um, seven, um, um, seven, sorry, oh, six venues that we partnered across Darlinghurst and Surrey Hills. We have 17 artists performing across different six venues and one ticket. So people got invited, everyone, our members, non-members, everyone got invited to, to basically embrace the festival. And we had our headline was Gang and Youths. They flew from London. They obviously were born in Sydney, so it was very, very special. They perform at uh, Oxford, um, Oxford Art Factory. And we have a number of artists, including Boy and Bear, that performed through the night. And it was astronomical. Like, it was just phenomenal. We sold out in under five minutes, I think it was. Wow. And uh, we just didn't have enough tickets, even though we had that many venues and, it, and we had beautiful artists performing like on the street, like creating stages on the street across the precincts so everyone could be part of that. So our effort, I mean, back the night was absolutely phenomenal. Um, it gives, again, it's, it's just like what you're seeing on the, on the screen is one of the most special memories I have of that night. That's Mrs. Palmer. If you haven't been there and have a sandwich there, they're absolutely delicious. And after Boy and Bear performed at Surly's, uh, they had um, a beautiful act there and your fans were going crazy. And we had the best time. And then you guys came out of uh, Surly's and we all walked to Mrs. Palmer's. And seriously, it was a stage like a square here. I don't know how these guys did it. And I stood there and I started to perform in front of everyone that was at, Miss, at Mrs. Palmer at that moment. And we all sat on the street and just listened to the band. And it was just magical. Thank you for giving us oh, that no, moment. And it was very, very special. And I think government got behind it. And what we realized is we just have to continue what we have to be, what, what, what we have been doing, which is we have to continue to open properties where we ca where we can continue to support the industry, and and that's our commit commitment. That's what we're doing. It, it's really important. Music creates culture in a city. It's the backbone, and if people aren't going out to enjoy music and reclaiming spaces, a, a city doesn't thrive. I think it's a really commendable thing you guys did. What was it like as an artist, John, on the night? You know, you, you set up the State Theatre, the Enmore, and there you are in a burger bar in, in Surrey Hills. What, what was that like for you? It's great. It's nice to keep it fresh. Like, it's a, it's a different thing. So I think, yeah, it, it just, the concept straight away when it got pitched to us just felt like it worked for us. We thought, like, we played in those kind of places. It wasn't Surly's when we were starting, again, referencing my age, but it was something else. But, but we've played in those kind of venues, doing the thing like, you know, when you play at the Oxford, sorry, when you play at the Enmore or the State Theatre, there's a backstage, you come in a different entrance. You don't have to, if you don't want to, you don't have to interact with anybody who comes to the show. But, um, but at Surly's, you're walking through the crowd to get onto the stage. There's nowhere to hide. There's, there's no <laughs> distance. Like, people were closer than they are here. So you can see the whites of everybody's eyes. It's sort of, it's more nerve-wracking in that environment, and, but it also brings you back to the things you were doing at the start when you started in your career. So 
we loved it. It was, um, it was a nice thing and it felt like it was something, from our point of view, we were like, anyone who's come to see us has not seen us play like that for a long time. So it felt like a very unique offering as well. I think what we did there was take the essence of what we loved about Killers, which was taking these artists to venues where you just wouldn't be able to see them as fans and creating these incredible exclusive experiences. But I think um, it was also the curation of different, mm. like, like something for everyone, different tastes, different type of music, really young artists that they probably is like the third performance to really well-known artists like Boy and Bear or Gang and Dukes, right? So I think that curation of diversity was very important. And it's not to mention, again, the, um, the, the fact that it was helping the industry as well. Um, all, of, all of the money from, from ticket sales went to help support acts, to help financially support artists, especially at a time when, when they need it. Some of the feedback from artists on the night were incredible. And again, we were leveraging artists we'd kind of worked with before, so it made sense for, for Amex as well. We got a really uh, short video uh, as well, just to, just to sum up the night for everyone here. concept of Back the Night's really amazing to have it in such a iconic part of Sydney that is known for live music is really really special and it's been so great to be a part of it. I think it's great that American Express is bringing back live music into the heart of the city. I think there's something like 18 different bands across Sydney today. I do like the fact that they're in every venue around this neighbourhood because we have to regenerate it somehow. Can wow. I say something? Uh, uh, in the video you saw Odette, uh, who is an um, Australian singer, really young, and then it's Dave from Gang and Dukes, and her dream was to meet Dave, and he actually came out to meet her. And it's not only what you plan for, but it's what you don't plan for, that you create that connections between the fan and the idol, and, and that was magical to watch as well, and it just comes in the video. Yeah, I had I, to say it. No, no, it's, it's, it's kind of almost core to, to the essence of the idea as well, um, was making sure that support for our headliner was spread around the city, and, and that people could Feeling, be empowered to curate their own evening and, and, and get to that final headline act where everyone converged. It was a very, very special moment for the brand and, and for the artist as well. They just wouldn't play a venue like that anymore, which is, is pretty epic. Um, thought we'd just quickly just showcase one other element that was part of, of that campaign. And, and, and again, we talked about your performance in Surleys. We talked about how you went and performed on the street and busked and even had a sandwich. Um, you have Mrs. A Palmer's, that's Great. amazing. If you haven't tried the state of flight sandwich there, you, you should. I highly recommend it. Chickeny. Um, <laughs> as part of the, the partnership with American Express, uh, you also released a unique um, NFT collection as well. Now, I know there's a, a lot of talk about NFTs and, and the value of those, but perhaps, um, John, you could talk about from an artist's perspective what it was like to collaborate with a brand and and what the value proposition was for fans who purchased these unique pieces of art. Yeah, the value proposition was an interesting one. I think what Nisla said before about with American Express wanting, wanting lifelong relationships, I guess we think about it the same way with fans. And so anytime you're going to ask a fan to pay for something, you want that to, 
like you sort of want it to feel like if if it was me and one of my favorite bands I'd want to feel like there was some some value there and so I think for us like a few of us had got our head around the idea of NFTs a little bit but we wanted to I think what really made it simple for us was this notion of having something tangible to link into it so apart from just the NFT itself there was an offering of being able to come along and have a meet and greet at a certain level or, or tickets to the show and so it was it was made it simple to understand I think and then American Express took a, a light touch with it with us I felt like you were very easy to work with as far as giving us the creative freedom to make something that worked for us and then it felt like instead of us selling something for somebody else we we'd come up with something together that we all felt really good about and we were it was new for us I think it may have even been new for you we were like we're, we're going to try this and we're just going to see how it goes and thankfully um yeah I think it felt good for all of us definitely new for us I think one message for me is you you have to try new things and you have to empower and encourage your team to do it and you have to be prepared to fail uh, this went actually really, really well. We had, it's, it was more complex than I imagined it was going to be, I'm not going to lie. And have your legal and compliance team literally next to you when you're doing something new that involves tech. But it worked incredibly well. And, and if there is one thing I want to share in terms of what we learn on NFTs is they're not new. But if you are considering doing them, make sure you add utility. There has to be a value. And what we love about this, which was the first, this was the second time American, American Express was doing it. We did it in the US. But the first time in Australia, and what we did completely different for Boy and Bear was that when you bought the NFT, uh, particularly the silver, the gold, they got access to service and in front of you. And you guys went and say hello to them. And so you added value, utility. And that is really, really important. Yeah, I think as, as fans, it's really important when you're considering outlaying you know, your, your hard-earned cash for something to, get, to have those extra premium experiences on top of a digital artwork, which in today's society, we don't know how much that's going to be worth in years to come. But the memories live on long beyond that. Um, I know we're, we're out of time, right? <laughs> um, but I wanted to just ask very quickly, Niza, if you had a, a tip for any brands in the room who are looking to create their own voice in music, what, what would it be? We completely over, so apologies. But look, if I was to leave you with my key learnings are stick to your strategy. You have your strategy on a paper. Make sure you stick to it and what you want to achieve. Don't change objectives halfway because it's really important you keep that focus. Make sure the company, the full company, is supporting you top down. If, the, if it's just the marketing team that is behind the idea, it's not going to work. And we were very lucky that we had everyone at American Express behind the idea. Make sure that you stick to like basically doing it because it's, it's part of your values, it's part of your culture. You can really claim that territory, right? That is super, super important. And, uh, and have fun. Make sure whatever you do, just have fun and be prepared to test new things. I think that's the main messages I'm going to leave you with. That's fantastic. Um, look, hope you've all enjoyed today's talk. Thank you so much for joining me up on stage, guys. It's been great reconnecting with you in, in real life after that event. I think, I think that's it from us, guys. I've, I've, I've heard that American Express are funding the after party. There's a deconstructed <laughs> gig um, all around the park. That is, of course, a lie. A new grant. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everyone. Uh, appreciate your time. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Advertising Week's world-leading events for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, visit www.advertisingweek.com.
chaptering, and other structural elements for this podcast are powered by Snackable AI. With the ability to unify all content in one place, have AI distill the best insights instantaneously, and share them seamlessly, businesses on Snackable create more relevant value for their audiences faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai.